The first word of Christ from Luke chapter 23. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots for his garments. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. The suffering of Jesus and the love of Jesus are one. This is why we call it His Passion. The hour of His Passion had come. It began on Thursday night as He and His disciples walked from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane. As He walked into the darkness, He began to drink the cup of God's wrath, to feel the full weight of Satan's greatest temptations, to receive within himself the unspeakable terror and sorrow of bearing all the sins of the world, of being the sinner. As he prayed in the garden, his sufferings increased. As he prayed in agony, his sweat became as drops of blood. His anguish so compressed his heart, blood was forced through the pores of his skin, mingling with the sweat that was coming forth. Under such strain, the heart may fail catastrophically, or a blood vessel burst and cause sudden death. Jesus was already so near to death that an angel was sent to assuage his anguish. The passion of Jesus continued throughout the night and came to another unspeakable depth in his scourging. This punishment was so severe it could not be administered to Roman citizens. Tipped with bone and metal, the whips would lacerate his skin and tear shreds of muscle off his body. His entire body, front and back, were scourged. The scourging that Jesus received marred him beyond human semblance. They then pressed a crown of thorns into his head and slapped his wounds while mocking him. The passion of Jesus continued as he was brutally led to the cross under the full weight of the cross, led to Golgotha, where there he was stripped naked for humiliation, his scourged body and flesh exposed Large nails were hammered through his hands and feet, through sinew and tendon, into the heavy beams of wood. The cross was pulled upright, and he with it, lifted up for all to see. He had said, When I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Do not look away. This is the death of your Lord. This is the cost of your salvation. The blood that runs from his crown of thorns, the blood that seeps from his scourged flesh, this is the blood that has bought you. The blood he bleeds is the blood of his love shed for you. This is his passion. He is wounded for our transgressions, he is crushed for our iniquities. God laid on him the iniquity of us all, and he wouldn't have it any other way.
It is the weight of our sin that causes his suffering. We deserve his wrath, his bitter rebuke. Instead, he pulls himself up against the nails, gasps in a breath, and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The second word of Christ from Luke chapter 23. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Two criminals, one crucified on his right and one on his left. Here is a picture, a microcosm of the whole world. These two criminals embody the entire human race. They were sentenced to death. So are you. So am I. We are all under the same sentence of condemnation. We are all dying, and indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. The wages of sin is death. Whether you die in a hospital bed, or a car accident, or an act of violence, whether you die of cancer, or heart disease, or illness, It makes little difference. We are all under the same sentence of condemnation. We are all hanging there with those two men waiting to die. But there is a man who hangs with us, a man who dies with us. Notice him. Consider him. He is under the same sentence of condemnation. But this man, this one man, has done nothing wrong. Who is this man? Where has he come from? He is God, come in the likeness of men. He is the blessed one, come under the curse. He is the deathless one, come under death. Our race is divided in two. There is no escaping it. You are either one or the other. You are the condemned criminal who ignores or curses Christ until your dying breath. Or, you are the condemned criminal who turns to Jesus and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Whoever turns to him, he will never turn away. To that soul he gives his word. Amen, I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. The third word of Christ from John chapter 19. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, 
he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. From the cross, Jesus prayed forgiveness for those who crucified him. From the cross, he preached the gospel to the condemned thief. Even in the midst of his own agony of body and soul, he takes no account of himself. Instead, he prays and he preaches. From the cross, he holds divine service, the liturgy of pain, the litany of jeers. All of it he bends to his gracious will. He serves sinners. There is no greater love than this. Now he turns his attention to his mother and to his beloved disciple, who were now standing near him. Jesus' bloody, twitching, ruined body would have been nearly as close to Mary as when she held him as a child and nearly as close to John as when he reclined on his teacher's breast. In the midst of his agony, he cares not for himself. He cares for them. From the cross, he makes two who were not family into family. Is this not also the very essence of his church? He takes we who are not family and makes us into one family, Our Father, we pray. Death breaks our earthly families into pieces. It takes spouse, parent, child, leaving gaping holes, empty chairs, and hearts pierced through. From the cross, Jesus takes we who are broken, we who are not family, and he makes us into family, one family and one church. He calls us one to another. In the pew behind you, in the pew in front of you, behold your mother, behold your son. This is your eternal family, a family that shall not be broken by death. The fourth word of Christ from Matthew chapter 27. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders, hearing it, said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink. But others said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The sixth hour is what we would consider to be noon, and the ninth hour corresponds with three o'clock. From noon to three, there was darkness over all the land, unnatural darkness. At his birth... Angels lit the sky with unnatural light. Now heaven is black. At his birth, angels sang loud and joyful hymns. Now heaven is silent. 
At His baptism and at His transfiguration, the Father's voice boomed from heaven, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Now the Father gives no loving word. He is silent and all of heaven with Him. Only the cry of His Son can be heard. And it is the cry of faith. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But there is no answer. God himself has turned away. This is the suffering far deeper than the horrific physical wounds. This is the burden that is simply too great for words. This is the sorrow that not one of us can know. All the screaming nerves of his body are as nothing compared to the deafening silence from his Father. Why this silence? Why this wrath? Why this hell to pay? He who knew no sin was made sin for you, that in him you might become the righteousness of God. The fifth word of Christ from John chapter 19. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Weep not for him. Weep for yourselves and for your children. Weep not for him. He chose this suffering. He would not leave Isaac under his father's blade. He would not leave Joseph in the pit nor will he leave you in sin and death. He has chosen this because he has chosen you. He has chosen forgiveness for you and life for you. And he lays down his own life willingly to pay the cost. Greater love has no other than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. His love and his suffering are one. They are his passion. Jesus knew that all was now finished. To fulfill the scripture, he said, I thirst. In Psalm 69, the son says to his father, For my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. In Psalm 22, the son says to his father, My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws. You lay me down in the dust of death. In Gethsemane he prayed, Let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but thy will be done. He spoke of the cup of divine wrath, the cup of his passion. And now, for the last sip, for the dregs of that cup that would bring death, he said, I thirst. 
he drinks this cup so that he might give you his own, his blood for the forgiveness of your sins. And therefore, it is also right to say that he thirsts for you, to have you drink with him in his Father's kingdom the cup of everlasting joy. The sixth word of Christ from John chapter 19. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bottomless greed. Schemes and scams. Thieves who break in. White-collared thieves. Drug dealers and peddlers of filth. Whatever it takes to make a buck. The rich who complain of what they do not have while millions starve. The love of money in your own heart. Writhing perversion, rape and molestation, adultery and homosexuality, pornography and deviance of every kind, the male eyes that wander, the female eyes that entice, the lust in your own flesh, murder of the unborn and innocence, concentration camps and mass murders, suicides, genocides, torture and cruelty, blood feuds and every petty grudge, the hatred living in your own soul, It is finished. The Lamb is slain. The Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Your wretchedness, your shame, your past, your present, your sin. It is finished. The Lamb has been slain. The atonement is complete. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Yes, he became your sin. And that means that your sins are no longer your own. They are his. You are innocent. He is the sinner. Watch as he bows his head. He takes all sin and drags it into his death. Jesus has gotten his way. You are righteous in the Father's sight. Nothing can change that now. Jesus has gotten his way. Not one single soul need go to hell. It is finished. The seventh word of Christ from Luke chapter 23. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This world's sun failed. There is a new sun. The temple curtain tore in two. There is a new temple and a new holiest of holies. Do you understand these things? This cross, this seventh word, this death, this is the axis mundi. This is the moment. The old cosmos is passing away. He is making all things new. Do you still live by this world's sun? Do you still seek a temple made with human hands? Do you still labor for what perishes? Where are you? In what cosmos do you live? The old cosmos has passed away. It is finished. It is not the rising and the setting of this world's sun by which you live. You live by the dying and rising of Christ. He is your sun, the very light of the world. The veil is torn. The old temple has passed away. The new temple has come. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it again. He spoke of his body. The new temple, the new holiest of holies, is communion in his flesh and blood. Behold, the old cosmos has died with the one through whom it was made. It is fading away before our eyes. His death, his resurrection, are making all things new. And if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You are no longer born of the flesh. You are born of water and the Spirit. Do you think you are still mortal? Whoever lives and believes in me will never die, says your Lord. Where are you? In what cosmos do you live? Already, now but not yet, there is a new creation. There is a new sun. There is a new temple. There is a new Israel. There is a new exodus. There is a new you. This is why he through whom the world was made now hangs upon the cross. The old creation is passing away with him. And with the dawn of Easter, the new will come. The firstborn will rise. No one takes my life from me, he had said. I lay it down of my own accord. No one takes his spirit from him. He gives it into his Father's hands. Death does not take him. He takes death. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said that, he breathed his last. 